0: Welcome to Obstetrics and Gynecology Emergencies. This is a podcast developed by the Obstetrics and Gynecology Group of University College Dublin. The following podcast is the fourth of six episodes reviewing primary postpartum haemorrhage or PPH. We've chosen primary PPH as the first emergency for the podcast as it's one of the most common causes of maternal morbidity and mortality worldwide. This podcast is primarily directed at UCD students but others are very welcome to listen. So now I'm going to talk about initial management. A recurring theme for these podcasts when we talk about initial management is going to be calling for help. This is not a sign of weakness, but it's said a sign of maturity and strength. If a woman is bleeding heavily after delivery, then she may need the expertise of many clinicians, each of whom will play a particular role. Depending on who you are and where you're based, you may need the help of midwifery, nursing, obstetrics, anesthesia, hematology, portering, laboratory staff interventional radiology, intensive care and administration. It's always better to err on the side of caution. Most clinicians would prefer to be called and not to be required than not to be called at all. There are four big themes to consider when starting initial management of a primary PPH. These are resuscitation, monitoring, investigation and stopping bleeding, which is also called turning off the tap, and above all, communication. All of these things need to happen at the exact same time, And it's one of the reasons that a lot of people are actually required for the initial management. A really good way of thinking about PPH management is to think of a triangle with the patient and the woman in the middle and three teams around her. The first two teams are at her arms and head and they represent resuscitation and monitoring. The third team is at the end of the bed and they represent investigation and treatment. And all three teams are communicating between each other. So let's start with resuscitation. If we consider the ABC or airway, breathing and circulation resuscitation, usually the woman's airway and breathing are not compromised, though it is a good idea to give her oxygen during resuscitation. The main focus is going to be on C, on circulation. So practically that means the following steps. It means inserting two large-bore intravenous cannulae, aiming for at least one in each arm. That usually means a 14 or 16 gauge cannula. But if you can only get in an 18 or 20 then at least get some IV access. One of these may be used to obtain blood tests initially, and I'll talk about this further in monitoring. The other line may be used initially for fluid resuscitation, either with crystalloid or colloid, and depending on the degree of blood loss with administration of blood products. If the bleeding is really heavy, if the woman's already compromised prior delivery, or the initial management is unsuccessful, resuscitation may become much more complex involving management of pH abnormalities, temperature regulation, or even full cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Sometimes the blood products required to resuscitate women may be huge numbers. Certainly, we've all been involved in haemorrhages where a woman may require 20 units of red cells, 10 units of plasma, 5 pools of platelets to be adequately resuscitated, as well as other blood products such as fibrinogen. The second aim is to monitor the mother, to see if her clinical condition is deteriorating or improving with management. A priority is to monitor the woman herself and see how she's coping with the blood loss. Is she responsive? Is she aware of what's going on? Is she capable of understanding the frequent explanations of what's going on? Vital signs are crucial, so you want to monitor her blood pressure, her pulse rate, her respiratory rate and her temperature, at very minimum. If she continues to bleed, the anaesthetic team may cite an arterial line that allows the team to regularly obtain blood work for testing during resuscitation. Initial blood tests that would be required would be a full blood count, coagulation status, and group and hold, or group and cross match. But if the resuscitation continues, then these would need to be repeated on a frequent basis, and additional tests such as renal profile, calcium levels, fibrinogen, may also need to be required. The third aim is to investigate and manage bleeding. We've previously discussed the causes of PPH, the four T's of tone, tissue, trauma, and thrombus. Hopefully you remember that the T's are deliberately recorded in this way, so that's how frequently they cause a PPH. So we'd normally start with investigating the tone of the uterus to see if there, it is atonic. Then we'd look to see if some tissue is remaining and so on. Uterine tone can be assessed initially by putting a hand on the maternal abdomen with her permission and checking to see if the uterus is well contracted. It should be at least level the umbilicus and it should feel a rack hard. If it isn't, we need to take steps to get to the uterus to contract, physically rubbing it, can cause a temporary contraction, and then medications or surgery will maintain the tone. And we'll talk about this in a little bit more detail in the next podcast. Moving on to tissue. If the placenta remains in situ and the woman is bleeding profusely, then the placenta should be removed. If the episiotomy site is bleeding profusely, it needs to be sutured quickly. And if the woman has a low platelet count causing the bleeding, then hopefully we'll have already planned for this, but we need to correct the platelet abnormality. So we've gone through tissue, trauma, and thrombus. The final theme in initial resuscitation is actually one of the most important in an emergency, and that's communication. It means that every clinician who comes into the room needs to be aware immediately of what's going on and what is their role. It also crucially means that the clinical team needs to communicate both with the woman and her partner of what's going on, as women are often terrified of a PPH. The world has suddenly changed from a time of joy to a time of fear. It's really important that someone explains to her regularly what's going on. It's also really important to document what's going on. So usually one member of the team is assigned to be a scribe, to literally write down what's happening, when it's happening. This person can then remind staff when a medication is due, or how much time has passed since a particular test step was taken. So there you are, the initial management of a postpartum hemorrhage. Think of the triangle with the woman in the middle. She's in the centre of care. She's surrounded by three teams who are at all at the same time resuscitating her, monitoring her, and investigating why she's bleeding, as well as initiating treatment. There's also the importance of clear communication between the teams and with the woman. This ends the fourth part, Gaston Primary PPH. Next time we'll talk about subsequent management. Thanks for listening.